This episode contains spoilers. Please listen responsibly. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome to episode 7 of the Hit List Podcast, a podcast where me and a guest cross off films from a watch list by watching them. I am joined today by software development engineer and my good friend, Rachel Walter. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. I'm excited to have this conversation. So for those of you who don't know, Rachel and I are pretty good friends from UMD, which is uh, a miracle because I don't like UMD. So <laughs> <laughs> she's the one good thing at UMD. And then she left me over there <laughs> to fend for myself. <laughs> and this is also like the first time we're seeing each other on Zoom since like the pandemic started because we always do like phone conversations or netflix parties but yeah it's like i'm sitting here for the first time right now and it's probably not relevant for a lot of you because you're probably just listening to me right now but he has like a nice beard going like in a little mustache too that's like (laughs) new happy quarantine i'm trying to go for like the (laughs) azoto effect you know like the this this oh like when they all like merge together into one cohesive unit and then you're like dumbledore as time uh, keeps no, going. No, just this and this right here. Just the oh, mustache okay. and the goatee because I can't, I can only grow my neck beard and I always shave it because this, there, there's a reason why it's called <laughs> neck beards. Like the term is called neck beard. I'm trying I'm to sh- avoid that. Yeah, I'm sure it'll come up in the conversation about one of our movies. Thing. <laughs> uh, great transition right there. So <laughs> the two films we'll be discussing today are The Social Network, directed by David Fincher. And Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper and produced by Steven Spielberg. So, they're both very good movies and they both have, how do you say, they're just so, so topic-heavy. You could go on for hours talking about each each of those movies. It's, that was my dog. <laughs> There's the children. Yeah. Hold on. I'll be right back. Alright, where was I? There's a lot to say about both of these movies. Yeah, they're, they're so topic heavy, especially because Facebook has changed a lot in the ten years that the social network eventually came, eventually released. You know, uh, it's 2020 now, and a lot's happened since the events of the movie happened. And also, with Poltergeist, that was such a revolutionary movie, and you see references from that movie everywhere. Like I saw the parody that Family Guy did back when I was a kid. Like I always knew it was a reference to a movie, but I never knew what it was. We'll try to condense it down to a manageable listening time because this will be heavy for me for editing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I told Jason before this, got to make sure this is streamlined to the facts. Don't want him editing for hours. Our dumb conversation. <laughs> Not just hours, but days. <laughs> okay, so the social network was on Rachel's list. Why was the social network on your list? So I told Jason this that... It was released in 2010, and I remember wanting to see it when it came out in 2010. So even though I don't think it's been on Netflix that long, it's been on my to-watch list for such a long time. And I feel like even more so kind of as my life has progressed, because I think Jason mentioned this in my intro, but I actually work in software development, and I work at a big tech company And so I think the whole culture of tech is like really interesting and something that I'm surrounded by every day. And so it's like cool to kind of see those stories and be able to like analyze and critique them. Yeah, I think this is a really good combination for this movie because you're on the CS side, the computer science side, 
Now I'm on the filmmaking side, so you can probably understand the jargon they were talking about with like Apache or whatever. Yeah, and like I, I'll, I'll like I'll understand how they made certain like shots and everything. Yeah, I told you I t- I took a tally throughout the movie of all the random times they like wanted to throw in the CS jargon. I got to seven. There might have been more because, like I mm-hmm. said, near the end, I just got so into the movie that I stopped taking as many notes. But there's at least seven. That's literally just like we see you, computer science people in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who wrote that in because I know Aaron Sorkin is a very dialogue heavy person. I'm not sure he's into computer science that much either. Do you know Aaron Sorkin? No, I don't. Okay, uh, he's he's. <laughs> He's the screenwriter of the movie. Oh, oh. Uh, let me see what else. He's known for other things. Let me look him up real quick. Like a lot of dialogue heavy stuff. Let me see. He's known for The Newsroom, West Wing. Oh, West Wing. I've seen West Wing. It's like parts of it. Yeah, A Few Good Men and Steve Jobs, the movie Steve Jobs. Whoa, both the big tech giants. Yeah, no, I thought it was really impressive. Like, I wonder if they consulted someone or like, I think it's based on some like book. Maybe the book had some of the technical details because it was definitely like, do you know, sometimes in movies and TV, they like to just throw around words that make it sound techie. Or I think there's this one like famous scene of people hacking and it's like there's like four hands on the keyboard and somehow (laughs) that's supposed to help them like get into the system faster and it's like, i mean it's yes exactly and it's always so obvious that it's like none of you know how a computer even works but i feel like everything they like brought up was like very like true like it made logical sense and like the places that they were put in which i thought was impressive for a movie slash tv show yeah that that's good to hear um that was actually an episode from C. I think it was NCIS that you're talking about. Oh, okay. I knew it was like one of those shows, but I was like, I'd say one of like, oh, I don't know. And then like, I think it was like from the same show. I'm not sure if it's from the same episode, but mm-hmm. like so, someone was hacking into the mainframe, whatever, of their system. And then like, no, they're hacking into our system. And then like the boss, he just unplugs the monitor. Yeah. And... Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't help at all. Like... <laughs> You might as well just like unplug everything, you know, like don't just unplug the monitor because you can see it happening. <laughs> like, no, I can't see it happening. So it's, it's not o- happening. Yeah. Obviously, Jason, duh, what is it? Object permanence, the thing that babies lack. So if you throw like a blanket over something, it's in like play peekaboo. It's like you don't exist anymore. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to hear that like there is there was some actual stuff that was real based on like the Cooper science side. Yeah. Honestly, like the whole movie also just, I feel like, struck the culture of computer science, like (laughs) way too deeply to the core. Like, I think we made so many jokes throughout where I was like, this is such a CS bro thing to say. Like, how entitled they are, how smart they think they are, like, how cool they think they are because they're throwing these like parties and like, doing like wild crazy stuff at their house when really it's like you're just nerds making Facebook <laughs> you know <laughs> so what you invented nap you invented Napster that's so cool guess it's time to do cocaine now like I don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh man I think the thing that struck me the most about this is that they were really young when they made Facebook um 
it, when I when I was a kid, when I, when I was like like fourteen when I first heard about this, I was like, oh yeah, he was a sophomore at Harvard. And then like I'm like, oh wait, he was twenty years old and he dropped out of Harvard because he was making money off of this thing. And um, the guy who made Napster, he didn't go to college because he was making money off of the stuff he made in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's like, huh. And I always, I always do this thing where I compare myself to other people, which is a very unhealthy habit. Please don't do that. Please don't do this. <laughs> uh, I'll, I like, I look at their age, and then I'll like look at my age. What did I do at their age? And I'm like, huh, I, I didn't. I, I was just watching Star Wars or Kingdom Hearts, just watching playthroughs of Kingdom Hearts because I, I couldn't afford to the game. The thing is, like, a lot of these people they already had connections mm-hmm. before they even got their job, got their success. So like, I just like keep remembering that, you know. That's actually another one of the notes I had. Like, I feel like movies like The Social Network and like so many of just the narratives around the startings of some really big companies like to play up like the, oh, invented out of a garage, like came from nothing. When it's like also like people are totally ignoring how much like help and support like he was at Harvard. His friend was able to lend him 18K. Like, those aren't normal circumstances that, like, anyone could, like, fall into. Like, even thinking about other tech companies, so many of them were funded by, like, their rich parents or were able to get really good loans or, like, were already at Ivy League top institutions and, like, they were able to drop out. But that, like, doesn't mean they didn't get any knowledge from those or didn't have any head start that allowed them to be at those schools, which gave them the advantage to, you know, make something as what, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old? I forget how old you are in sophomore year of college. Yeah, I was, like, probably 19, 20, around that age. But, yeah, it's, like, it's a a lot of things you realize, like, a lot of successful people nowadays, their parents are already there. So, like, I, I re- one of the episodes we I just did um, was episode four. I was talking about um, the, the movie Bumblebee with my friend Pedro. Mm-hmm. And he, he liked the movie. I didn't really care for the movie because um, it wasn't directed by Michael Bay. And Michael Bay is not the best of directors, but at least he can make Transformers at least a little fun. Yeah. So, like, I could tell it wasn't by Michael Bay. It was by this guy named Travis Knight. Mm-hmm. And I looked him up. And his father is the co-founder of Nike. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when he was younger, he made rap albums out of the studio in his dad's mansion. <laughs> so it's like, wow. And Bumblebee was his directorial, di- directorial debut. Mm-hmm. He worked. He's worked previously as an animator for movies like Kubo and the Two Strings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, huh. And it just makes me want to, like, work harder because, like, I know I can do better than Bumblebee. Like, I'm not – I don't have enough practice. I spell my my ego talking. Like, I've had my ego, like, checked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I could make a better movie than Bumblebee. Like, I could see where your flaws were structurally, story-wise, acting-wise. I know where all was. I could do it better. So, maybe it's just a pride of me. I don't know. All you need is a rich dad. And then <laughs> step one. <laughs> step two, profit, you know? No, step two is the mystery. The step three is profit. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Didn't get my <laughs> meme format correct. You know, not truly part of the computer science culture. That's right. I knew it. All right. So what did you think of the movie? Uh, that's, I think I forgot to ask you that, but what did you think of it? Um, I, okay. So, you know, when you enjoy something, but it also makes you hate something. Yes. So you're like, I'm not sure if I enjoy it or not. So 
it was such a well done movie. Like I think you and I both made comments about the cinematography throughout. Like it was well shot. I liked how it switched between kind of like the creation of fa Facebook and then the um, different lawsuit scenes to really kind of put the whole timeline of things into perspective and the kind of consequences of his actions into perspective. But at the same time, there's always there's already like um, a a plethora of reasons to like dislike Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and and I literally one of my notes that I wrote down is which is like more awkward and worse, current Mark Zuckerberg or college Mark Zuckerberg because just every line he said, everything he did just like fueled a fire in my soul. Like he was just a <laughs> horrible person and so it just like pissed me off throughout but also brilliant movie great writing amazing <laughs> yeah uh props to jesse eisenberg because he did a really good job with this movie and mm. yeah same thing like um the thing i didn't like about this movie like not really about the movie but really about the impact is that it inspired people to like create a lot of startups and i'm like oh so this movie inspired you to create a startup <laughs> Like you're Wait. you're focused you're focused on the, you're focused on the money part. You're not focused on like the not being an asshole part, right? Because you're kidding. No way. I did not know. I feel like you know so much of the lore behind this, and like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that, and that makes me mad because like I guess I understand the appeal of the lifestyle it portrays of like oh you're drinking, you're partying, you're cool, you're like the alpha dude because you've like I don't know created some website, but like. Also, like you see at every step of the way how toxic that environment is and how toxic those people are. And like, you know, at what point is the money not worth it and the hustle not worth it if you just end up as a bad guy? Actually, I've been spending a lot more time reading up on like entrepreneurs, not just like from the tech industry, but also mm -hmm. from like filmmaking industry. And there are some people I do like because they actually have kept their integrity. Yeah. But they're not usually the ones who have gained a lot of money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just that whole dynamic with it. You know, like, oh, like, I respect your hustle, sir. You're not successful, but I respect it. But you still have, like, some money. You're not, it's just like, you're not like, you're not like Disney, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas other people are like, oh, okay, um, you say you're self-made, but you really had a lot of help along the way. Mm -hmm. And I never liked that term self-made because um, I've, I've grown to realize that, like, this is, like, my own, like, journey as well. I used to do things a lot by myself and I still do a lot of things by myself that I realized that I'm not an island. I still need help with a lot of things, mm -hmm. both in like learning and also how to be a better human being. So mm -hmm. uh, I've realized that like the person I am today has been the, it's been through the help of like other people, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just my whole, whenever I hear self-made, I don't believe it as much. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm very cynical about it. And it's also about like these entrepreneurs. Like when you hear the stories, like, he started out of the garage. He um he did this, blah blah blah. He worked hard, and the I, the one I hate hearing about the most is Amazon. And <laughs> not to bash the company you work for, but I, you know this story as well. Our man's Jeffy B. <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> he didn't start it out of the garage, and he had like a huge investment from the beginning. In mm. Microsoft, I think Bill Gates' mom was on the board of IBM. Yeah, no, that's that's like his origin story, and like. 
you know, one of like Microsoft's really big rises to fame was that it got like this connection to IBM and IBM had all these connections to all these other places. And then all of a sudden Microsoft and Windows is used like all over the world, everywhere. So this whole thing about like talking about like these origin stories yeah. or quote unquote origin stories kind of like depressed me a little bit. But let's talk about this, the <laughs> filmmaking aspect of it. Okay. So um, I don't think you realized until I told you that the Winklevoss twins uh, were actually two different actors, right? No, my, my my comment to you was whoever did the casting of the Winklevoss twins did a really good job. And then you said... So they're two different actors, but one actor was, one actor's face was superimposed onto the other actor. I want to know which one's real because also throughout, I didn't say this to you, but I definitely thought that even though they did really good casting, I thought one was hotter than the other. So I wonder, <laughs> I wonder who's... Like, who looked better? Like, did you look better with a different person's face? Or did that person look better with their own face? Like, I should look this up. So, um, I will say that David Venture had trouble looking for how to, how to cast the Winklevoss twins. So, let me see where it was. They couldn't just get um, Zach and Cole Sprouse to do it? They were young, remember? This is 2010. Oh, 2010 was 10 years ago. Uh, just imagine these, like, tiny, like... 15-year-olds playing the Winklevoss twins who have, like, absolutely no muscle, but at least they're identical twins. Okay, so I, hear, I see it right here. So the actor that you see on the movie, that's Army Hammer. His name is what? Army Hammer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So this is, this is a quick thing about Army Hammer. He's a great actor. He just hasn't been in, like, the movies that have performed the, 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 the best. This, I think this is the only movie that people know him from because it's done so successfully. Mm-hmm. And if like he didn't, he, if he wasn't in movies that didn't do so bad, like The Lone Ranger, when he, he, he was the lead on that movie and a couple other movies, I think also The Man from Uncle, which is also a great movie, uh, but it, it just didn't perform well in the box office. If he wasn't in those movies and he went to like other movies that did more success, he will be like a superhero right now. Like he will be cast as a superhero. And it's actually been rumored that he was going to be cast as the Green Lantern for the Justice League movie. There, like, there's all these conspiracy theories from the fans, and I'm not sure if it's true or not. I wish it is, but like, the thing is, when Justice League's director, Zack Snyder, when he left the project because his daughter died, uh, when, when Joss Whedon got on, he like screwed up the whole movie, so it wasn't even the same movie that Zack started. So, so now people are like, Zack Snyder's going to release his director's cut. And we're not sure if he's going to be Green Lantern or not. This might be how we know, you know? Yeah. But that, that's just a quick thing on Army Hammer. So he portrayed both twins. So the other actor, his name is Josh Pence. He's also another, um, he's a pretty well-known actor. The other movie I think I know him from is Gangster Squad. And that's about it. But yeah, so they're both red for the project because they're looking for like Olympian blonde people. Because they were like they they performed the Olympics as they say in the end of the movie. Yeah. So when they read for it, they said, "Okay, we're just gonna put Army's face on Josh's," because they were gonna do split screen photography. If if you've seen that before, like um the Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. So like with that with those type of movies, it's the it's one actor, but the actor works twice as much, you know. So with this movie, they just put onto Josh's face Army's face. So. He was a bit concerned about it um, during the role because no one would know who he was. Mm-hmm. But like after um, some thought, he said it was no brainer to like be in the movie. 
but he, and he does appear in a cameo role uh, another place in the film. I don't know where, but he, he has a cameo role um, somewhere else. And the thing I find the most, uh, how do I say it? The most disrespectful is that when you go on Wikipedia, uh, when you see it, the cast, it says Army Hammer as Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. And I'm um, like, okay, stop. <laughs> does IMDb get it right at least? I don't really use IMDb much, but I, let's see. Let's hope. Let's look it up right quick. You know, it's the internet movie database. If anyone it is, it, it is the internet get it right. database. Because even with like the Fantastic Four, the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. they put in the body actor and they also put in the voice actor. Oh, interesting. Yeah, with roles like that, like monster movies, mm-hmm. there's just like two di- two different actors. Okay, let's see. Okay, okay, I see it. So it says Army Hammer, Cameron Winklevoss, Taylor Winklevoss, and Josh Pence, Tyler Winklevoss. But yeah, that's um. It's a quick thing on the twins. <laughs> That's such a wild fact to me. <laughs> Did you have any other questions that you brought up during the Netflix party? Or any thoughts? Not that I can think of at the moment. Did I have anything else to say? Oh, okay. So I might as well just go through my my thing. Okay. So the book that this movie is based on is called The Accidental Billionaire. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think it was an accident. <laughs> and the guy who wrote it, he basically... He consulted with, what's his name, Eduardo for the movie. So Ooh. essentially the protagonist of the movie is Eduardo. It's not like fiction, it's actually fact, but it's written as if like it's a narrative book, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the, mo- at the, end of the book, he said, uh, there's still things going on. The lawsuits are still happening. So that's the end of the book. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that first scene, the date. Here's oh, the th- that here's date. The- Okay, let's first first talk. Let me first talk about David Fincher and how he is as a director. He's the type of director that will shoot the same scene one hundred times. Legit, I'm serious, one hundred times because he feels like they didn't get it naturally, and so that scene was shot ninety nine times. Oh 99 my goodness! No yeah, way. Because he wanted to get them until they could see it naturally, and mm-hmm. let me just like how do I say? Let me flex real quick. Okay. Uh, I had a conversation with Liminal Miranda. That's right, the Liminal Miranda, and his family. When I went, when I won this whole contest, whatever, I was having breakfast with them, the whole family, and Lynn's friend Josh. Um, what's his name? Josh Groff. Josh Groff. Let me look him up. Are you familiar with Hamilton? Yeah, I'm so bad with names though. The so... the king. I forgot the name of the king. I think your last name's right. I don't know if the first name's right. Let me see. Let me look up Hamilton real quick. I think it's Jonathan Groff. That sounds more right. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. Okay. Okay, okay yeah. So Lynn was saying um, during breakfast that his friend Jonathan Groff, who played King George in the Hamilton musical, he was cast as um, this character, the main, the main lead for this this Netflix show called Mindhunter, also directed by David Fincher. And he told him how like, David Fincher will always do like 100 takes per scene. Because he wanted it to get to the point where like the actors could say it naturally. And then Lynn's mom was like, don't they just rehearse? Why can't you just rehearse? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> rehearse. Rehearse. Don't torture the actors. Don't torture the crew members. Don't torture yourself because you think they can't say it naturally. Just <laughs> rehearse it as much as possible so you don't waste any time when you're on set. Like, what the hell, David? And think about how much like film time was used up because that intro scene, I feel like was a decent 
chunk and I think it was necessary because I feel like it's such a good like establishing like this is who like Mark is and I also think it creates like a really interesting like motif throughout the movie of how like no matter how successful he gets like it all comes back to I think her name was it Erica yeah I think it's Erica yeah like it keeps on looping back to what will Erica think of this should I talk to Erica will Erica see this? Should I friend Erica on Facebook? <laughs> like, it's just so interesting, like, how that becomes such a motif after, like, this first establishing thing. Like, I just really love seeing, like, how no matter how, like, successful Mark got, he still couldn't get over this, like, one, like, bad moment of, like, rejection. I just thought that was so, like, fascinating yeah i think that's credit to the screenwriter as well because aaron sorkin did say this he did say is, is that really historically accurate he did a lot of things for the for the dramatization of it for like the, the story of it yeah but it's like such a good establishing scene like you said because you see like oh this guy this guy is something this guy is something else uh i can i can see why she broke up with him mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it was like wow like you're you're talking about one thing and she says that she replies to it and then you talk about another thing like dude slow down like yeah. come on and i think it also speaks to like how he is in real life essentially but he says um a lot if you've ever seen him speak he says um a lot mm-hmm. and if you've ever seen the congressional hearing <laughs> just, <laughs> how long were those things they're long oh man i watched them all though that's like i'm like ooh, let's go in he, there ain't mean memes of that congressional hearing. Like, he legit looked like a lizard person right there. Oh, and my favorite thing was how much in this movie they talked about him not wanting to add advertising to the site. And then, Yo! like, one of the memes from those congressional hearings is like, but how does Facebook make money? And he's like, sir, we have ads. <laughs> Their whole business is taking data from people and then selling it to to like companies like that that blew me throughout the movie like it kind of took me out of the movie but i think for a good reason because so much has happened like i said in the beginning so much has happened since this movie came out so essentially facebook is everywhere like not just like the website but like if you actually keep track of like you know like you know about cookies you know your software development yes 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 I didn't really know that's how they keep track of you until like they until like I think sometime last year or this year they said, "Hey, uh, we keep cookies on this website to help you have the best experience on this website, on every single website." You know that pop up, mm-hmm. and I, I learned about it. Like, oh, so that's why I'll see ads from this place on that place. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been keeping track of these trackers, right? Because I have two different trackers. There's one from Doctor Go and another called Badger. Yeah, and I, the three major trackers are google facebook and amazon and i'm like but this news website has nothing to do with facebook what are you talking about they keep tracking <laughs> me I'm like oh they can track you everywhere so it's like wow but it's i mean it's also true the point that they keep making where it's like oh ads make it makes it not cool anymore like bro i hate scrolling through facebook now it's literally all sponsored content it this really is, is this is trash this is why they didn't want ads and yet here we are greedy when is the last time you saw any original content from their friends on facebook we all share memes now i share memes on facebook <laughs> i i don't like i'll sometimes do like a post or whatever like but like i won't make a meme i'll just share the memes and it's been like that for like five maybe more longer years so yeah that's the whole thing 
And I, they said something about privacy options on it. Uh, I forgot <laughs> when they were selling it to original investor that they the investor kicked him out because he made a made a sound that annoyed him. But I'm like, we have great privacy options. Like privacy options. <laughs> What are you talking about? What is privacy anymore? Like, oh man, oh man. Ugh. But yeah, I, I can also say another thing that took me out of the movie was seeing Justin Timberlake in the movie. Oh, yes. That, like, I, it was just so bizarre. And then his hair was low key like it was <laughs> when he was in, like, music. And so then it was like, who are you? And it's like, <laughs> Justin Timberlake probably hates the Napster guy in real life, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's his name? The guy who was in Superbad. Not Michael Sarah, But the the other guy who was in Superbad. Let me see. Hold on. Bruh, every time I talk to you, I'm like, dang, I thought I watched a lot of movies. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> oh, no. There, there are people who watch more movies than I do. <laughs> Like, my whole family watches movies that, like, they watch a lot of movies, movies I won't watch, but, like, they watch a lot more movies than I do, you know? Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so Jonah Hill. Jonah oh, Hill. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So Jonah Hill, he was the original choice for Sean Parker, so for Justin's um, role, but, like, eventually they went to Justin Timberlake. And I think, mm. I keep thinking to myself, how would Jonah Hill have fit into that movie? He, it would have been a, probably a very different performance. Yeah. You know? That's another thing. Can we talk about the casting? This, like, cast had so many, like, I feel like people who are, like, A-list or, like, at, like blew up at different points in their career. Like, I was oh, like, yeah. how are you all all in one movie? I was like, you got Anne from Parks and Rec. You got, <laughs> um, what's her face Anne from Perkins. The Sweet Life of Zach, um, Cody, Zach and Cody. Uh, what is it? Brenda Song. You got Brenda, Brenda Song. <laughs> I'm like, how do you get all these people? How are they all free at the same time in 2010 or whatever to like make this happen? I feel like that's the other thing that like maybe like be like, whoa, where are we? <laughs> what yeah. reality does this movie exist in? Yeah, that was around the time when she was like getting. I think she was getting off of um the whole Disney train mm-hmm. and trying to, because she was a she was a young adult by that moment. I think yeah. early 20s. So like, oh, that happens to a lot of Disney actors once they reach a certain age. They want to leave Disney because they're older, you know? Uh-huh. And they want to go on to other roles. So, like, with Anne Hathaway, she did... I forgot what role she did, but eventually she kind of, like, dropped the Disney image. Like Princess Bride? Are yeah, you so, thinking? like, Princess Bride, Ella Enchanted. But, like, I, I forgot... Not Princess Bride. Princess Diaries. Princess, Princess Diaries. Diaries. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Princess Diaries. So, like, Princess Diaries and Ella Enchanted, um, she eventually dropped that persona of her and then went on to other movies. So, eventually, eventually did, like, Les Miserables and The Dark Knight Rises within, yeah. like, the same two years. And with Miley Cyrus, I think we all know Miley Cyrus' story. Yeah, but just, I feel it like... It was just very public. I feel like so many just, like, failed to launch. Like, what has Brenda's song been in, like, since The Social Network? <laughs> She was in Windy Woo, Warrior Princess. That okay? was also Disney. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the only other thing I know her from. So, if, Brenda, if you're listening, we're, we're sorry. We just, we're ignorant. That's all we can say. Maybe she does some, like, weird, like, art films now or something that no one sees. But she's, like, out there. Like, isn't that, who's the guy that played Frodo in Lord of the Rings? Elijah ah, Wood. Elijah Doesn't Wood, he- yeah. Doesn't he only take like weird like indie film roles now? Yeah, him, him, and Daniel Radcliffe both do indie, independent films now, which is good for them. You know, they they've they've had their spotlight, and now they kind of just want to do 
weirder stuff. So, yeah, Brenda's song, she was in New Girl. I remember she was in New Girl. Oh. Yeah. And what else? She, um, movie called Changeland, uh, Secret Obsession. Okay. And she was in a lot of TV shows. The last TV show she was in called, was called Dollface. And she was the main role in that. Um, yeah. So not really stuff I would have watched. So, Brenda, I'm sorry if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I the thing I've, I've seen with like this movie is that like they're very insecure. Mark is very insecure. Mm-hmm. And you see him do this whenever when he saw his um, ex-girlfriend or whatever. They probably weren't even really in a relationship by then. Mm-hmm. But like when he sees her at a restaurant and says, hey, I made a I made a website. So she's like, cool. I haven't heard of it. And like she just doesn't care. She just wants to have dinner with her friends. Mm-hmm. And Mark's like, no, do you want to just go talk? Like you call me a bitch on the internet, on the <laughs> internet, okay? And he's like, okay, fine. And then Eduardo thinks he apologized. He's like, no, we need to expand right now. <laughs> I'm like, bruh, oh man. And the thing is, like, I I've kind of done the same thing before. Like I'll do I'll do something out of spite. To spite someone else and not really for myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I applied to Yale when I was in high school to spite some people. <laughs> I didn't get in, but I applied. <laughs> I applied. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I can, I, I can understand that feeling because I've been there before. I'm like, yeah, I I get it. I get it. You're trying to, like, do it. Like, last last semester, not last semester, like, the, like fall 2018, I saw someone I, I liked that I tried like get in a relationship with, like with someone else. And to avoid that feeling, I just worked really hard on my film because I just wanted to say, no, nope, I'm a filmmaking. I'm not going to the club anymore. I'm, I'm filmmaking. I'm busy. I'm a filmmaker. Got to get this done. Got to get this done. And the film wasn't really that great. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you worked hard. I worked hard. Okay. You I learned a lot. To you. you I worked a, hard. I, I had a 4.0 that semester and last semester, but that was only because I only passed one class. Because I did a pass fail for one class and everything else I got an A because I knew that one class would have screwed me over. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, I've i been there. I, I know what it feels like. And it's kind of crazy to think that's what got him there is because of insecurity. He had to like make up for it, you know? And this could, this probably could have, this most likely was for the story. This most likely was for the movie, for the drama of it. Mm. They, like That was like very relatable for me, you know? See, I think it's like a little bit funny that you relate to kind of like the Zuckerberg being like awkward and then being like, oh, I gotta like go, 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 because I feel like I honestly relate to the girl being in the random place <laughs> and like, because like, you know, like being in computer science, like you meet all those kinds of guys that are insecure. Like one time I was just like studying with a dude, like literally like we're sitting next to each other in class and there was a test coming up and we decided to study for the test together. And then after the day of the test, he was like, Oh, do you want to like go get bubble tea with me? And I'm like, Oh no, sorry. I'm good. And he's like, well, what do you think was the point of me studying with you? Like he had just like this rage come from inside him. And I was like, I thought that we were studying to study. I didn't know me studying was me also agreeing to going on a bubble tea day with you. Like, leave me alone. And he was like, I can't believe you didn't expect me to react like this. And I'm like, I did not expect you to react like this. <laughs> oh my God. 
Oh, that's horrible. I'm sorry that happened to you. That's that's more in heaven than on you. Like, I think you know that as well. Yeah, I mean, I know that. I just think it's, like, interesting how it's, like, I don't know if it's, like, the environment of the field or, like, the characteristics of the field. But I feel like it, like, attracts people who are, like, insecure about themselves. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I, I see that sometimes in the arts. But, like, a lot of artists are insecure about their own art anyway. And they're not, they're either a genius or they're lying. <laughs> So that Hawaii party in the movie, do you remember the Hawaiian party? That oh, party? yes, yes, yes. At Harvard, yes. Yeah. So can you mention it real quick how like it's you've seen parties like that before? Yeah. No. And it's I told Jason it was funny because I think that it happened at like a Jewish frat. And I was like, this like party is the exact same vibe I've gotten at Jewish frat parties that I've been to. And there's also a couple like CS techie frats at umd and i've been to a couple of their parties and also the same vibe i think even the cs frat party that i went to was also like i don't know tropical themed like i definitely <laughs> had a lay by the end of the night like the reason i bring it up is because back in 2017 mark and his wife they bought 700 acres of land in hawaii in a controversial buy for 100 million dollars what yeah, because apparently they did it for like a, a loophole in the legal system where like they had, like, I think owners in Hawaii had to put up their stuff for sale or whatever, which is like, I don't know the whole thing. So like, I'm not getting like, if, you, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're hearing this, do your own research on it because <laughs> I haven't done as much research into it. But yeah, it was in the news everywhere when it happened like three years ago. And I didn't think it was oh, a big deal. Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, I like how we were going two totally different directions with this Hawaiian awkward party. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I remember I was reading that when I was doing research on this after I saw the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I thought it was only me like, I didn't think it'd be a, a lot of land. I thought I was like, oh, he's just buying land in there. But then I, I see it's 700 acres of land and I don't even know what he did with it. But that's a lot of land. Like, we forget how big an acre is in these modern times. An acre is huge. And you bought 700 of those. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck you, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's our nice summary of the social network. Just fuck you, Mark. <laughs> so do you think you should have seen this movie sooner? Um, I think it was interesting, but I really enjoyed having this per- having like the perspective that we do now, kind of like 10 years after the fact, like with how much Facebook has changed. I think that honestly did add to it. And I think me having time to like actually go through like college and like computer science and be more involved with it I think also kind of gave me a different perspective of it so it was good but I think it was almost good that I waited to see it until now yeah I think that's the general consensus with these episodes (laughs) this isn't my first time seeing this movie it's probably like my fifth or sixth time I've also seen special features for it back when I borrowed a dvd from the library which by the way I miss libraries a lot same I did even, I wrote in my notes as well that like each time I see this movie, I get like a different perspective on it because I definitely see how much I've grown. So when I first saw this, like I was kind of impressed with the whole like vibe of like, how do you say, like the whole success story and everything, yeah. like, thinking like he got lucky and essentially he did get lucky, you know, he just had the right opportunity at the right time. And also like, I, like a certain point, I kind of related with Mark, but I wasn't really paying attention at that time, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just think like, I'll just watch the movie. I won't really pay attention to it. But like now that like I've had experience making these movies and also like with my own life going for my own drama in life and having Mm -hmm. my having my ideas stolen from me as well i can see like oh mark's not a good guy (laughs) it took me a while it took me a while to realize that 
And I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little mad at myself for not realizing that sooner, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just see it in such a different light now, you know? And now a word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. So Jason, the movie on your list was Poltergeist. How did it end up on your list? So I really don't know how or when it came onto my list. It's just been such a culturally significant film uh, in America because you see references to it almost everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was watching Danny Phantom when I was a little kid, there was like a scene where he's like in a ghost zone or whatever. Yeah. And he enters the room and he sees like a little girl sitting in front of a TV. And like there's like the silhouette thing, which is the same shot you see in Poltergeist. And I'm like, where is that from? I see it everywhere. And I, <laughs> I, I learned eventually it's from Poltergeist. So I don't know why or how it came onto my list. It's just something that like I was always aware of, but I never had the chance to see. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you there, Jason. I feel like I've heard about it a lot, but I feel like my expectations versus reality for poltergeist were way off like i think the netflix you know how now they're introducing a thing where they kind of have like three adjectives about the movie yes like this one was like intense like in like all the like images i'd ever seen like advertising poltergeist made it look so scary and intense so i was almost like afraid to watch it because i'm a baby and i like (laughs) hate horror films and then I started watching it and I was like tense for the whole beginning. And I had to look up like whether or not the dog would die. Because, you know, <laughs> as soon as you see the dog, you're like, oh, no. And then like as the movie goes on, I'm like, wait, wait, this is a scary. This is not scary, but this is the this is the scary part. And I was like, oh, it's almost like kind of I mean, it's not goofy, but it kind of is in some way. I don't know. I thought I was very it was a lot of fun to watch. Definitely. I think I even told you that before we watched it. Like. Uh, you asked me, is it a scary movie? Like, I'm like, uh, it's it was made in the 80s and it's intended to be a scary movie. So either it's really cheesy or it's legit scary. Um, it's a toss of the coin with this. <laughs> so I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. But now that we're speaking about it, I do remember for one of my filmmaking classes uh, at UMD, our professor showed us the dolly zoom, which is you see it in like some movies, but you don't know the name of it. Do you remember that hallway scene when the mom went to go see it? Yes, I, that was actually one of the questions I wrote down I wanted to ask you. Like, I wanted to be like, wait, Jason, how do they do the things where all of a sudden the hallways look ten times longer? Yeah, so that's the dolly zoom. And our professor so- showed us that, that only that the gif of that um, shot to show us what we were going to make, uh, where we are going to practice in our class. So the dolly zoom, you'll also see it in Jaws when, like, the one of the characters, he sees the shark in the beach. He gets closer. His face gets closer to the script, to like the camera, and like the background gets farther back. Essentially, what you do with a dolly zoom, you'll zoom in depending on like what effect you want. You'll zoom in on your lens and you'll move the camera backward. Oh. Or if you want to do like the reverse, you'll zoom out on your lens and you move forward with the camera. Mm. So you can, you can even practice this at home. It's a very technical skill. It's it's not easy to do. Like, you'll eventually, like, see it when you do it. But, like, for the way they did it for this film, they must have worked on it really hard or, like, they must have really good lenses. Because mm-hmm. I've done it myself for some of my projects. And it's like, yeah, they really worked hard on it. Because you had to have, like, a, you had to be on a, a very steady vehicle for the camera. Yeah. And you also had to, like, make sure it's still on focus when you zoom out. Mm. So, or when you zoom in. For everyone listening at home, here's what you can do to practice this. Try to find like a subject, maybe like a lamp in focus or whatever, and just take your phone and then 
If you're going to move backward, zoom in. And if you move forward, zoom out. Yeah, practice it at home, Rachel. Let's see what you got. <laughs> Literally catch me after this call ends. Just like taking a billion photos of my lamp. <laughs> videos of my lamp. <laughs> but yeah, so now remember, that's part of the reason why I watched the movie. Because I, I, know about the, I know about the Dolly Zoom hallway. Okay, now remember. Okay, when I was a little kid, I saw a little bit of this film. You know, I was flipping for the channels. And all I remember was that it was red lights and the kids were being sucked into something. I didn't know what it was, but they're being sucked into another part of the room. That's yeah. the only part I saw. Oh. That's the only part I saw. So I'm like, why Why is the woman in her underwear? <laughs> I didn't understand because <laughs> that was the only part I saw. And I'm like, I'm skipping out of the way of this. I'm going to watch Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why. Because ever since I was like eight or nine, I never knew what that movie was. And now I know what the movie was. So then, Jason, what what did you think about it? Did it live up to these, like, I don't know, cinematic expectations you had of it? <laughs> I think it was... Let me. I wrote some thoughts down about this movie. So let me... I also wrote a lot of notes. I also want my thoughts at the end. So overall, I thought it was pretty good. It had some humor in there. And I didn't really care for the family. I really did not care for them. The only one I felt bad for was the little boy. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's a boy and I'm a boy, you know, and I've been through the same thing as well. Same experience that he has. Not really. I don't know. But because I did not care for the parents, I didn't, I, I was legit scared of the little girl. And the teenager, she was barely even there. Yeah, I was like, what even is the point of having the teenager? She's here and then she like cries and then she leaves. Leaves. Like, <laughs> and it's like every scene she is, if she comes back. She gets scared, cries, and leaves, and it's like... Exactly. I don't even exactly. know her name. <laughs> Dana. Dana. Oh. I yeah. think... I thought it was interesting that you brought up the little girl, because I wrote down, like, I was like, why are little blonde children so terrifying? <laughs> because, like, you know, it's like, this movie, I think, like, is it the Children of the Corn? Is that, like, the Stephen King film with the, yeah. like, blonde little girls? And then my follow-up to that was I was, like, a wee little blonde little girl... And I'm like, did I ever have to wake my parents up in the middle of the night? And they wake up and it's like, I don't know, I look like a child of the corn. Especially because I have a twin sister, so it's like, whoa. Oh, you're really thinking are. of The Shining. You're oh. thinking of The Shining. I thought The Children of the Corn also had two little blonde girls. I don't think, I think they're brunettes in The Shining. Let me look this up real quick. But like, you're thinking about the twins, that's in The Shining. The Children of the Corn, they're, because they're both from Stephen King. They're both oh. Stephen King stories that are adapted into movies. It's the Children of the Corn. Oh, there are just multiple children in the Children of the Corn. I thought the Children of the Corn were blonde. No, look up the Shining Twins. What are the... Are the Shining Twins blonde? Wow. Is this like the Berenstain Bears thing? <laughs> Do you see them? Yeah, but they aren't really blonde. What's the movie with the blonde twins? Am I like completely making this up? Can you look up like the scenes in the movie? Like the shots in the movie, like they're in because they're they're like twins in the hallways. Is that what you remember? Yeah. That's them. Oh, what? But they aren't blonde. Why did I think they were blonde? They're still white. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Wow. I really must be that Berenstain Bears thing because I could have sworn they were blonde, or there was a different movie with blonde kids. Oh wow. Never mind. Maybe my point doesn't stand about being a creepy blonde child. Well, I think it still stands. <laughs> <laughs> So what we were saying earlier before, like, we learned... Oh, you you really, my points were just, you were talking about the characters, and I was like, you're right, that teenage girl, irrelevant, 
and tiny blonde children terrifying those are, <laughs> those are my two points well mother father said like overall i did learn how to like shoot suburbia you know like how to shoot scenes in like suburb yeah. suburban um, areas and also like other stuff like camera movement because you can see like the camera moves a lot i learned a lot more about how to do that right or like how to not to do it so it's also a lesson in like movie making for me so i like the movie i thought it was okay but like i learned more from movie making you know so that's that's what i thought about the movie I liked um, what you said about the, like, how it was, like, learning how to shoot and, like, look at the suburbs. Because that's the thing is, I thought that this movie did a great job. And it probably, I don't know if it was fully, like, an intention of, like, Steven Spielberg. But I feel like it's just such a perfect time capsule of, like, the 80s and of, like, this perfect suburban world. And I just loved, like like all of that aspect like there was like mr rogers and the football games and the, the small tvs yes and the like a star wars blanket on the kids oh bed man there's like, so much star wars merch in that movie yeah exactly and like just all the like ways like the opening scene like establishing the suburb like too like it was just like i don't know i felt it felt just such like this ter- perfect little time capsule of it especially near the beginning so it's like interesting to then like see how our view of it like changes throughout the story like how it's revealed that it's all this like money-making scheme and it's built on top of this like burial ground where they didn't oh, yeah. need the bodies and it's like Bruh. this whole picturesque neighborhood gets completely destroyed at the end because of all like the greed and i, I just thought that like visual and that like subplot underneath the plot was really compelling for me yeah, basically, it's a really good story. Uh, really good time capsule as well. And also, like, it really cones in on the myth of the suburban, perfect suburban life, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. it perverts it with the horror horror story of it all. Because there were, there have been even comments about... There was, there's been commentary about suburbia. Like, I'm going to say suburbia because I like saying suburbia more than suburban homes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been commentary, like, was the picturesque suburban life that you saw on TV, did it ever exist? You know, like mm-hmm. that's something that like a lot of Americans strive for. But like, did it really ever exist? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't done any much research into it. I live in a suburban neighborhood now. But it looks very much different from this movie because my neighbors, all my, neighbor, my neighborhood is predominantly black. And I'm like one of the only, I think of I know, of what I know, one of the two only Hispanic households here. So, mm-hmm. so that's something it's like. When I, when I saw this movie, I automatically saw, saw like, oh, it's all these white people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, my suburbia, so. <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting to also think about it in the context of, like, a lot of other movies in the 80s. I feel like we're also, like, really looking into, like, the idea of suburbia. Like, I feel like even uh, Back to the Future, a classic, I feel like it also kind of questioned suburbia. Oh, yeah. A little bit, too, and, like... I'm trying to think if there's other good. I feel like a lot of 80s movies revolve around the idea of suburbia and suburban, like, life. Like, you know. So, just interesting to think about how that was, like, a cultural thing that a lot of filmmakers at that time wanted to really dive into in different ways. It's also funny because I, I the only two other things I think of is, like, even 80s, even modern movies and TV shows that are based off the 80s take place in suburban homes. 
Yeah, yeah, like Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yes, which I I got vibes. I, I can see like where Stranger Things got some inspiration from this movie. Mm-hmm. And also um, the Goldbergs as well, a TV show, the Goldbergs. Mm-hmm. And also the movie Bumblebee because Bumblebee took place in the 80s. But they just did a terrible job of making it look like it was in the 80s. It looked like they're, <laughs> they should have watched Poltergeist and see, oh, so that's how you set the tone in your film to say that you're in the 80s. Not put an <laughs> ALF reference out of nowhere. Wait, I love ALF. I would have loved an ALF no, no, reference. I, I, I love ALF too. But the way they put the ALF reference was just like so forced in. I'm like, why'd you do that? Like, we know you're in the 80s because of like the posters you put all over the girl's wall. We uh, we know it's the 80s because of like the cars on the road. Why do you have to put in an ALF reference from like a character you don't see again, like for like the rest of the movie? Because he's watching on this little tiny TV like, uh, now hurry up, get out of here. I'm trying to watch ALF right here. Like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> so... <laughs> That that's that's the problem I have with Bumblebee, man. Uh, I don't want. I don't. I don't want. I'm watch surprised Bumblebee again. keeps coming up. Like for a movie you dislike, Same. it's come up twice now. <laughs> Same. I'm so surprised. It, it haunts me. This movie haunts me like a poltergeist. <laughs> okay, wait. So actually, I have a question for you, Jason, Mister Movie Expert. I wanted to know your opinion on like the special effects used throughout Poltergeist. Okay, so uh, I don't know because a lot of it's outdated, but a lot of it did look good. Like, did you notice like the rolling clouds in like the shots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not an expert in like how to make movies in the '80s, so I might I might be wrong about this. I think they just did layers of it, so like they'll shoot one scene of the clouds rolling over because clouds kind of take a while for that, and then it, they put it underneath the vi- the video or like the film for when they were driving or like for like the other stuff. So that's what I think is what happened with the rolling clouds shot. Mm-hmm. As for the tornado, you kind of saw how how terrible that tornado looked. Yeah, I think they drew it on the film. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's what they did. So that's that's something that they did with there. And as for like the the ghosts, they probably made models of it and then they shot it on like their own green screen mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and then they superimposed it, whatever. When you watch Star Wars, you see like a lot of the stuff that they made, like spaceships are all, are all just tiny models and they just made a bunch of them or they painted it over the film. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I think like a lot, of, it's just interesting to think about how low tech probably a lot of these things were like, you know, a lot of the scenes where the ghost was moving things, I was like, there's 100% just like an invisible, like tiny string pulling yes. that chair <laughs> or like in the really iconic scene i think of the child's bedroom where it's like everything's like being tossed and like turning around like i was like probably a million strings or i think some of it was kind of really old like cgi or something yeah yeah like are you talking about when they introduced the investigators to the place yeah (laughs) and they open the door to the kids room and everything's just like floating and they're like we don't go in there anymore like it's like a like dirty closet except for that it's like (laughs) So I want to put a note in here. I'm not a movie expert. You call me a movie expert. I'm not oh, a movie expert. Sorry. I'm a, fil- I'm a filmmaker. I'm learning. Sorry. My V. My V. <laughs> as soon as someone makes a podcast, they're an expert, right? Because they have experience. The, that's the exp- assumption I've been going on. Every, every, <laughs> every white man that wants to talk on a podcast, he knows what he's talking about. He's an expert. Guys, listen. We're three mediocre white men in our 30s. We're talking to each other. You know what this is? It's a podcast. 
Exactly. Oh, and I wanted like the tree. How do you think they did the like tree part? Oh, that's probably like they made it in real life. Actually, that was just probably like a whole set design thing. They probably had people inside the tree. Or like it was like robotic. It might have been robotic as well. It kind of gave me like Jurassic Park kind yeah. of vibes, like how they did a lot of their like um dinosaur movements and stuff. Which I think the experience from this movie kind of influenced Jurassic Park because you know both in both movies the monster goes through glass. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think with the that the tree scene, they just made the costume or whatever, and they just like grabbed a boy. Like, hey, yeah. come here. Like, oh, okay, guys, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we were speaking about the investigators earlier. I found this, yeah, it subverted my expectations a little bit because whenever they bring in investigators for like paranormal activity stuff, usually the investigators know what they're talking about or they have experience in the field. These investigators had no experience whatsoever with what they're dealing with. They're like, hey, yeah, so we our previous thing, uh, we count on film, this toy car moving seven inches over seven <laughs> hours. And I, and he's like, really? Yes, sir. I took a time lapse camera and I got it all on the film. Okay, let me show you what I got. <laughs> and like a tornado in the room. <laughs> yes. Oh, see, I feel like I came in with a different expectation though, because recently, uh, unrelated to this podcast, I watched Ghostbusters, like the OG, for the first time. Hey. And so I was almost expecting the investigator investigators to come in and it'd be like a total like Ghostbusters vibe where they're like yeah we know what we're doing but they're also super goofy and mess up a lot but it was like not either of those like expectations which I feel like made it like feel really fresh and really fun even though it's like the 80s like it's it's been around yeah the 80s had like a lot of good movies come out and that stood the test of time essentially so like with Back to the Future it's one of my favorite movies and also Ghostbusters and yeah also this movie because like they made a remake of this movie back in 2015 just called poltergeist and i'm not gonna watch it because seeing this movie i'm like how can i compare it to this you know yeah no i feel like you can't ryan the guy who played ryan the black guy Mm -hmm. there's only one scene i see in this movie where i saw like disrespect towards him and it was like out of nowhere it was when like the dad gave him the rope and he just like here here's the rope and he just like tossed he just shoved it to him i'm like bro what what did he do to you? <laughs> what did he do to you? Why are you getting him the rope like that? Like, he's helping you. <laughs> the medium, the sidekick. Oh, I didn't like oh, that. Oh, the lady with the crazy voice. Honey, yes, come here. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do it. It was it was very high-pitched. Yes, no. I, I Literally, one of my notes was, like, just that lady's voice at the end, though. Like, I just, like, was like, who is she? <laughs> There's so many, there are crazy things that happen in this movie. And I think the thing for both movies, the, the both movies that we just saw, mm-hmm. The Social Network and Poltergeist, it's about corporate greed and the evils of capitalism. Wow, a common thread. Honestly, so true. It's funny because also another thing in my notes was like, oh, like what did they do to get this ghost, like build it on top of an ancient burial ground? And then it's like, oops, I called it. <laughs> So I thought it was on tribal ground, you know, because um, uh, with Family Guy, that was the that was like the whole thing with their parody. Yeah. It. But no, it's just like regular American burial ground. Like you didn't even move the bodies. Like, oh my goodness! What kind of disrespect? Like, how dare you, sir? And the coffins. I love how like the coffins are just rising uh, up onto the ground. Yeah, honestly, that scene. 
it's almost like a fake out. Like it seems like everything's good. And then I yes! feel like it gets like so much more into like the horror where she's like in the like pool, like hole, oh, and there's like all the skeletons that are coming out of nowhere. I feel like then you're like, oh, this is where we get like the intensity. And like when they're trying to like drive away and everything's like falling apart, like I was like, wow they really had us there like we really thought that this was over and everything was gonna be just peachy keen yeah because i didn't even check it until like the kids were in the bed like how much time was left they were like Mm -hmm. 20 there was like 20 minutes left in the movie i'm like what is there left the thing that also made me feel like it was like the end was at the very beginning of the movie they have this like really clear shot of the mom like closing the door like before they go to bed in the very first scene and then like before she's gonna go into the bath i think they still have the same like really like focused shot of her closing the door again so i was like oh that's nice like it's a cute little like bookend to the movie (laughs) so i was like this is the end we have the cute bookend the credits are gonna roll and then i was like but why is there so much time left and like why do we even have the plot of her going to go take the bath now like but like the thing is also like the medium she said to the camera like she said the ha- this house is clean. <laughs> and I'm like, no! This house may be clean, but the neighborhood isn't. <laughs> oh my gosh. And like, I don't know, just imagine living in that neighborhood and all of a sudden, like, I don't know, like all this craziness happens and you're like, what? Because you weren't around for all the beginning parts. The, the thing is with horror movies, that the, what I've learned about horror movies is that the people who are haunted or who are being killed in a movie usually deserve it because they committed a sin, either like before the, the events of the movie happen mm. or during the events in the movie. So, so the dad's sin is because he like is selling more of these houses than helping build up this like corporation. So, no, what I what, what I was trying to get is that like I'm not sure what sin he committed because he didn't even know that he was on burial ground. Yeah. And when he found out, he thought they moved the bodies, but they didn't even move the bodies. So my thing is, I wanted the the man who was behind the decision to do it to have been haunted, you know? Yeah. But, like, he wasn't even haunted. Like, he didn't even know what was going on until, like, the end of the movie. And, like, he sees all these dead bodies rising above. I, I just think, like, he should have been the one that haunted, but, like, it also wouldn't have been, like, relatable for people because, like, oh, we don't know this rich old man. We don't mm-hmm. know anyone like him. We know American families, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like definitely that, like, I, I kind of at the end of the movie, I was like, I wonder what's, what's going to happen next. Because, like, like, you kind of feel, I really wanted justice to be served. I was like, I want this guy to have to, like, explain why he did this. I want this family to move to, like, another nice non-burial ground suburb. Like, I don't know. I feel like by the end, I was like, what's, what's next for this place, though? So, good thing, yes. There's actually two sequels to this movie. Wait, what? No way! There's Portuguese 2, you know, creative title, and wait for the third one. The name of the third one is uh, Portuguese 3. Oh. Wait, okay, now I might have to go watch the rest of these movies, though. But I also had to, like, discuss, like, the dark history behind, like, there have been rumors that this movie is cursed. Oh, what? Oh, I'm interested. So, the little girl... Uh, I think she was like five at the time. Oh no, oh no. After like the two sequels, she died when she was 12. Oh no. Yeah, and 
they didn't even know what was wrong like until the hospital happened it turns out she had like something inside that like like infection or something that happened inside her body it was like weird for them because she never showed symptoms of it before and also the teenager dana this is even i think i think it's just as tragic as well Mm -hmm. so that was her only movie and then after the movie her boyfriend uh her then boyfriend uh strangled her on her driveway at 22 years old and she died so and her boyfriend um quote unquote boyfriend he only got six years and then was released in three and a half years no no oh no so it's like wow it's terrible to think about that and also what's her name the medium she died many years later i don't don't say many like 20 20 or so years later i think it was like a heart disease whatever Mm -hmm. and also the director died as well like 2017 i believe he died of natural causes that's what i read yeah but yeah that, that i found that really sad to hear about both of them because when i looked up um on wikipedia the actors i scrolled over to her like you know how like you can like see like a little pop-up when you scroll over someone's name on wikipedia yeah so i saw her and it's still an image of her when she was a little girl and you're like oh no i'm like <laughs> oh no and i saw this girl was oh no she how when oh and i read it i'm like wow and the same thing for the other um actress who played dana and i read that and i was i got really mad about that like he got out he only was only sent to six years and then got out in three and a half i know it's like low-key is it the curse of poltergeist or a curse of being a woman in america we may never know (laughs) (laughs) uh that's terrible so jason do you feel like you should have waited this long to watch this movie i have never been into horror movies so i probably wouldn't have watched it even if it was on my list earlier so i think now was a good time to watch it you know and also because like i'm less scared of stuff now like i watched Candyman too which is a lot scarier <laughs> you know the same episode i'm talking about with bumblebee i also watched Candyman, so like it evened out you know what an interesting duo <laughs> <laughs> but yeah watching this i i i learned i'm learning more just watching it as like with the filmmaker's eye, essentially, like, oh, so that's how they did that. I think there was like a pretty good time watching this movie. So, Wait, yeah. so Jason, I actually have a question for you. That's, I guess, kind of a tangent off of that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, as you like now, do you feel like you watch movies more for like the plot and for the enjoyment, or more of like this is the learning experience for me to like hone my craft? So I think, um, good question. Thank you for asking that. You, you always gotta say that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's bad, thank you. That's a really insightful question. Uh, I, I see nowadays. I watch TV shows for the enjoyment of it, like mm. TV shows like Legends of Tomorrow or Community. I watch yeah. it for the enjoyment of it, and whenever I, I watch a movie, because it's like a more of a commitment to watch it. It's usually to learn from it. Okay. Most of the time, it's to learn from it because, like, movies. The ones I want to watch are like two and a half hours or two hours that's a huge time commitment whereas with tv shows they're like 30 minutes at the most Mm -hmm. or like 45 minutes but like i'll carve some time out for 45 minutes so it's a little bit a mix of both essentially like the movies i watch for fun are movies i've seen before okay okay i was just curious because i was like for both of poltergeist and social network you mentioned how you like to watch it kind of from a filmmaker's perspectives and you were really able to comment on all like the technical parts of like the filmmaking aspects and so i was just curious like kind of what your take is especially now doing this podcast like what's your goal of that just curious yeah yeah goal of this podcast to have something to do (laughs) (laughs) 
their loyal fans are they're so disappointed. They thought they were they you were doing it for them, Jason. Uh maybe. <laughs> So we reached the end of our discussion. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you for taking the time to make it here today. Thanks for having me, Jason. I had so much fun watching these movies and getting to have a nice little conversation with you. Same, same, you know? Yeah. Or a nice long conversation. <laughs> I don't know if it's a little conversation at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, this is going to be a long conversation for me with editing. <laughs> All right. So I've asked this question before everyone gets out. So... Were the movies a hit or a miss with you, Rachel? I'd say both were solid hits. I feel like they're both good movies worth the watch. I think for me, they're both hits. But I like social media, the social network more than um, Poltergeist. Yeah, I feel like social network kind of dove deeper into a lot of things. But like Poltergeist is like, you want a movie that's kind of like an enjoyable watch or you want to understand pop culture references. That's, <laughs> that's where to go. Speaking of pop culture references, I didn't know this, but ga- the, the term gaslighting comes from a movie called Gaslight, where like this this woman is being gaslighted by her husband. But the reason why it's called Gaslight is because of the title, because like what he did to her was gaslighting. So oh, yeah. I already I already knew that. What you didn't know? You already, you already knew that? Yeah, I, I mean, I've never seen the movie, but I've heard like that's the origin story. I never knew that. I'm like, wow, <laughs> pop culture for y'all guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rachel, where can our listeners find you on social media? So, not to brag or anything, but I cook a lot of food and then I take photos of it and then I post them at Rachel is a foodie on Instagram. So, if you like food as much as I do, give me a follow. I've never heard of this, of taking pictures of your food and posting on Instagram. (laughs) Must be a new thing. (laughs) Hashtag phone eats first. All right. So that's the episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, cross off a new film from your list.